You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what's going on, sir? We're settling into the playoffs, which is a, a nice feeling. You know, have being preparing for another week of elimination football. Uh, this is we, I, a guy could get used to this. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Last night was fun. I was uh, sitting at my house. I was watching some of the Cowboy film, watching the Golden Globes, which I'm, I'm still kind of shocked that you didn't watch the Golden Globes, considering your profession but that's okay i don't need to see that nonsense i see that nonsense every day uh that's okay all right so coming up on today's show lana and i are going to do our film review of the cowboys uh win over the seahawks in the wild card round uh we've got a lot of different things to talk about now i'm going to preface this with the the statement that the all 22 is not out yet for whatever reason the Mm -hmm. nfl does not like us uh, and they decided not to release the L22. So this is they don't like you. They don't like you the fans cuz honestly they didn't want us to get this tape and review it and, and break it down in front it's, of y'all. It's, it's, that that's a, you let the NFL know about uh, that. Guys. What's inevitably <laughs> what's going to happen as soon as we get done recording this they're going to release it. But that's okay. Likely. Um, likely. Some of the things we have to talk about today we don't necessarily need the L22 to talk about. And I want to jump right into it with Amari Cooper. Um, he was one of the players that I was really focusing on this game because I thought he had a big mismatch on the outside. I like some of the Seattle's cornerbacks and Trey Flowers uh, and Shaquille Griffin, but I thought Amari Cooper could beat those guys with his technique and a skill all day long, and that is what happened. Uh, what did you see from Amari Cooper's first playoff game with the Cowboys this week? I mean, he had a good game. I mean, I think anytime you see a receiver getting targeted, you know, good grouping of numbers. He didn't get a touchdown specifically, but I mean, nine targets for seven receptions, 106 yards, uh, you know, and it matches what you see on tape. He had a couple of really big plays, including the one where he was wide open in the middle of the field uh, uh, on a great route. Um, You know, I think he might have been even open a couple more times outside of that, but uh, the timing of things didn't work out for them. Um, You know, I, I think overall, what you pay this guy to, or what you're gonna pay this guy to do, is get is get open and and find ways to to beat the guy in front of him. And he was doing that pretty consistently. Now they uh, weren't always able to t- take full advantage of it. Um, they they it, it it still feels like he could be force fed more targets oh, if they needed agree. it. Yes, you know. Um, but I also feel like he's taking great advantage. He's he's doing a great job of taking advantage of the targeting he's getting. Um, the, the only, uh, really, the only play that I would take issue with specifically that he had was uh, that I, screen. I, I completely I, I re- agree. Yeah, I really wish he could have turned that back up field because I think that's a touchdown if he does. I mean, with his skill, his his run after the catch ability, uh, he had a whole bunch of blockers. Now, the whole thing was. Could he? Could those blockers get there in time 
for the backside pursuing linebackers. I, I think if he had cut it back inside a little bit, I think he he could have cleared that whole group and, and really he would have been off to the races and that, that could have been like a whatever, a 60-yard touchdown or something like that. So uh, outside of that, I, I feel like he was he was getting open when he needed to, be, to and when, when the ball was coming his way, he was uh, making the catches uh, and, and converting them for uh, first downs and, and, and doing a good job of, of having a level of awareness where the sticks were and, and, and making sure that he was uh, getting the first down when he, when he had his opportunities. Yeah, I think this matchup was perfect perfect for him. Anytime he plays these, you know, athletic, long cornerbacks, I actually think that fits him pretty well because he can beat those guys with route running and his technique and his precision. And you saw that this week. Uh, he, the release that he had on uh, the pass that set the Cowboys up at the, like the 11-yard yeah. line, I mean, just phenomenal. It, it, he, he was a double coverage basically with a safety over the top. He won off the line of scrimmage and was wide, wide open down the field for a 30-yard mm-hmm. reception. Uh, just an incredible play by Amari Cooper. Um, I want to transition a little bit to another one of the Cowboys receivers, and that's Noah Brown. Uh, Noah Brown played the most snaps of his career on Saturday night, 28 snaps. A lot of fans were wondering why were the Cowboys force-feeding the ball to Noah Brown so much? Why was he on the field uh, in this big game? Do you have any explanation for why we saw so much of Noah Brown this week? Well, I think, unfortunately, Alan Hearns' ankle foot being turned the wrong way had something to do with it. And and then Tavon Austin, I I, I think, despite his punt return, I mean, probably because of his punt return, uh, was probably not available for all the snaps because he had well, they were trying to be careful to make sure not to re-aggravate that groin injury. So um, I think a lot of it was necessity, with, especially with, again with Beasley kind of being nicked up a little bit. They just didn't have a lot of numbers. So I think Noah Brown uh, became a large part of the of the game plan. And then I think that there was something also as well uh, that that they saw in the. Uh, their game plan versus or their, their tape work versus uh, Seattle uh, that they thought that they could take advantage of. And, and I think, you know, if you go back and look and you and I were talking about this before the, the show, if you go back and watch the, the play where the interception happened, you know, first off, like we talked about yesterday, uh, right. Free freely admits that he committed defensive pass interference oh, yeah. on that yeah. play. And if, if he ha- doesn't commit, commit that defensive pass interference though uh that's touchdown no doubt like i mean even with uh, i understand the throw was not uh, where it probably should have been is a little bit behind but the throw was good enough to complete the pass and score a touchdown like i mean it wasn't that the interference is what stopped it now uh, stepping a little even further back from that uh, that play design was fantastic you know because everyone talked about all year long how the tendency of Noah Brown if you get Noah Brown in the game and you motion him in the formation everybody knows that it's a run right and they get inside the red zone in the playoff game at the end of the year after doing this all season long they motion Noah Brown into the formation and i and i i could be wrong but they i think they did a similar play where they ran the ball like probably less than two snaps previously yeah it was very very similar it was very, very recent, and they had been doing this a lot, almost all game. Uh, and this time, Noah Brown motions into the formation and goes vertical through the line up, uh, and then kind of runs an up and out, or or maybe it was a corner route. I can't remember. I need we need that all twenty two tape, guys. Come on. <laughs> uh, and so, I, I, you know, I, I think that was a fantastic mix-up, a constraint on that, because I think that they got stuck with KJ right there. It's not a good matchup. He was able to make up ground by obviously committing the penalty, which again, I think the whole fact that he commit it, 
I really feel like they would have thrown the flag if he hadn't made the interception, right? Don't oh, you feel yeah. like that? I, I think so. I, I feel like there was some confusion in the in the rest, which is just ridiculous. But I felt like the fact that he caught the ball afterwards like really muddied the issue of the fact that he committed a defensive right, penalty right. in order to to get the interception. But uh, either way, I just wanted to point out that it, you know they great play design on that a, a great job of going against ten- first building tendency and then going against the tendency in a key moment to, to create a play. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out the way you want because they committed a penalty that went uncalled. All right, really quickly before we move on, uh, Noah Brown just turned 23 years old yesterday. What's kind of the long-term fit for him on this roster? Like, do we think he could ever be like a wide receiver three? Or is he always going to kind of be that wide receiver four, wide receiver five that does this blocking role and is just kind of a special teamer? I, look, I, I love Noah Brown's skill set. I mean, I think that the, there's value, at, no matter what your offense is, there's value in wide receivers who can block because those those guys aren't readily available. And, and you need those guys... Uh, you know, in in your run game, but it, you can also use a guy like Noah Brown, who's got good, decent size inside as a blocker, as a as a move tight end. If you want to get creative with your offense, maybe you can move him to H back, have him put on ten pounds or five or ten pounds, and do that. He's still young and and can do all those things. I think the point is, is that you know he's. Is he a finished product? Absolutely not. But I think he had a long way to go when he got here. That's why you get a guy with his physical skill set who went to Ohio State uh, in the seventh round is because he was right. he never got a chance to develop. I think he's still in the process of developing all these snaps um, are going to help him out in, in the end. And I, I think he does have value. I think, yes, he could be. A, a number two receiver, I've never, a, a definitely a very useful number three receiver who can give you some partial tight end snaps, who can you know maybe take some reverses. I, I think that he just has value, no matter what kind of offense you're running, uh, and, and he can do a whole bunch of different things. And then on top of that, he can you know potentially give you some special team snaps. Uh, guys who can wide receivers who can block really help your fifty three man roster construction, right? Because it helps fill the gaps you need in special teams uh, in other. Sports. Spots. And then if he can give you solid snaps, if he can actually catch the ball, go in there and in route and do things on the field and make some really spectacular blocks, which he has at different points throughout the season, t- taking on linebackers, you know, I, I think that has uh, a lot of value for the Will McClays and the Jason Garrett's of the world who are responsible not just for the guys that are the starters out there making the plays, but the guys who are out there, you know, doing the stuff that doesn't get seen by the regular job, the people that are doing the special teams jobs, uh, that are making key blocks uh, when you when you need them to. I, I think that that's where a guy like Noah Brown has a lot of value. Just really quickly, I'm Noah Brown. Uh, again, just turned 23 years old in his career in college in the NFL. He's only been active for 35 games. That's not a lot of football, and when you consider that he basically missed all of. Uh, training camp and preseason this year. I don't think he came back until you know what mid midway through the season at the earliest. He's just a really really raw player. So I still think we have, we have yet to seen his see his best football in the NFL, and I think that's that's at least encouraging going forward. All right, let's pause and we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for my advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't always know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. 
Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past, and that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. It's that simple. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each week. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Lane, I want to talk a little bit about the tight ends. In Week 17 against the Giants, we saw Blake Jarwin explode for three touchdowns and 110 yards. In the wild card round, the tight ends had a combined three catches for 15 yards. Why didn't we see more of the tight ends in this matchup? Uh, you know, I think that part of it is that I'm sure they wanted to. I'm sure they were part of, you know, the progression that was being put out there. I, I think that, you know, after last week, you have to think that the Seattle defense is uh, uh, looking uh, is is was looking for 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 Jarwin specifically and looking at at, at the tight end attack and and you know trying to counteract that uh you know they didn't get a ton of targeting that's i mean that's the no, only thing is Jarwin himself after you know what a you know what a great game last week um he only had three targets uh so it's not like they were throwing the ball his way and it, they weren't converting it was it really felt like they weren't Presented. I mean, Schultz got no targets, so I, I think that you know they weren't necessarily shying away from them. Maybe as much as they weren't open and they weren't getting looks that way. So because uh, it, it's not like they didn't play snaps. You saw right, them on the field right. all the time. And, and this might go back to again what we talked to uh, talked about with with Noah Brown, who who you know got four targets, uh, which is more than even Jarwin got. So maybe they had something in the game plan because of what they saw. To uh, use Jarwin and, and and Schultz more as decoys to open things up for other people, uh, you know, I, I think that we haven't seen the end of that Jarwin and Schultz. I think next week will uh, could be a, a, a this week could be a good uh, a good game for them to come yeah, back and, so. and have some opportunities. I think this specifically this week might be a great week for them to come back. So, um, uh, I, yeah, I think if anything, it likely had to do with the fact that Jarwin had such a, a, a fantastic game previously. Uh, the defense that they were playing was, you know, not, uh, was probably very influenced by the, the success of Jarwin in the previous game. So they were putting a lot of focus there, which, you know, frankly may have opened more things up for Cooper. That's why you saw Cooper working a little bit more in the middle mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, whenever uh, you saw Beasley, he was working there and was able to have some success. So, um, you know, that and also they just they didn't throw a ton of passes in this game. I mean, they only threw 33 passes, which isn't you know like a whole bunch. Well, so, I also don't think it's the I worst think, thing in the idea to not feature your two of your youngest players on your offense and Blake Jar- Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. Right. They they lean heavily on Cooper and Zeke to basically do all the heavy lifting for him in, in, in the first playoff game, you know, is that really that surprising? I, I kind of think that was a smart strategy, no. right? 
And really, frankly, like I mean, let's face it. At this point, now that they are collecting these guys, you feel you feel a lot better about Jarwin. You feel a lot better about the targets that go to uh, Gallup. You still want Gallup to get you know a little bit more higher rate of of converting these targets that he's getting. But you feel good about a, a variety of players on this uh, on the on, on your skill you know the skill side of your offense. Sure. So I, I think because of that. You, you know, the ball gets spread around more, and 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 that's you know that's they're going to mix and match these guys, so they're not going to necessarily just because Jarwin had three touchdowns last week, they're not going to necessarily feed him a whole bunch of targets if he's not open or if it doesn't fit the the game plan that they've got laid out against the defense they're facing that week. Now, you know, someone like Cooper, I think that's a different story because he's uh, you know a higher echelon of talent, but I I think overall that the the thought process of of just kind of taking what's given is is something that's going to have a lot more success as you have more and more people to uh to to kind of spread the ball around to all right so i have a positive and a negative thing to finish up the podcast with what what would you like to talk about first the positive or the negative uh let's talk about the negative first and we'll finish strong uh sean lee played four snaps in this game um, and they were not a particularly good four snaps. On, on the Seahawks' longest run of the game, he got blocked by the guard, wasn't able to disengage, and when he finally did, he didn't have the speed to get to the running back. Is it over for Sean Lee? Oh. Uh, I mean, I think we've been kind of saying this for a while that, it, yeah, I mean, I, it might be. I mean, I, I just think we talked about the how steep that, that – that end is, you know, that, that that your play just kind of drops precipitously, and 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 obviously there was a drop, even uh, between seas this season and last season. Oh, I yeah. feel like, but even before uh, he got at hurt, the same time, even before he got hurt, yeah, before he got hurt, he was he still. I mean, he wasn't playing good at the beginning of the season. He, I mean, he was playing, he's playing okay, but he certainly wasn't playing what what we're used to. Uh, uh, with of Sean Lee, you know, early in the season, and then obviously after the injury, uh, it, he became a, a, a more timid version of himself, of even that version, and 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 now it's like, it feels like he's he's confused at times, and then uh, beyond that, like he's just not physically able to do the job, and it, it's just yeah, yeah, it's it's not great. Well, is he playing out of position to now? It's, it's to the point where is he is his skill set now where he's playing out of position because they put him they initially put him to the weak side because they thought he could stay healthier on that side because he could avoid contact, but he was more athletic three years ago when they moved him to that spot. Is he just not a fit at the weak side linebacker anymore? But but uh, I mean. Uh, th- where do you put him then, Marcus? I mean, like, I mean seriously, I, like that's the problem. I, I, oh, is I that, agree. Like, is ultimately what you just described before that he couldn't do disengaging from blockers. If you move him to Sam or Mike, is that is that he's going to be doing that more? No, I, I so, guess the like, middle would prevent him from having to run so much. But you see, you see what Jalen does every week, and he's making plays sideline to sideline. So I, I mean, and Jalen's also disengaging a lot of guys. Right, like Jalen's right. taking on guards with <laughs> knocking down guards. Like that, Scott Sean Lee's not doing that at this point in his career so maybe at any point in his career and and so i i think yeah it's it's you're right it's a problem is but the the thing is is that like moving him isn't gonna make the problem better no. you know it's it's he's at his optimal position and i think and 
it's just a point where it's it's a bummer. It's kind of it's over. It's yeah, over. It's, yeah, it's bad. All right, let's talk about something uh, exciting and uh, happy because I, I don't want to talk anymore about this Sean Lee situation. Connor Williams. Uh, I, I mm. we did again. We didn't get to see the L twenty two film. It's only no end zone tape. No end zone yeah. tape. It's only from the broadcast. But I think this might have been his best game of his career. What did you see from Connor Williams in this matchup? I kind of did too. I mean, I I watched one of my rewatches of the broadcast. Uh, I basically on on every offensive snap, I I just watched him, uh, and it it. As I'm watching the game, I'm getting to like halftime and snap after snap, and he's doing a fine job. And, and let's, let's be clear: like Jerron Reed is is a fantastic oh, yeah. young player. He got all pro. Votes. I mean, you know, he's ten and a half sacks. Uh, yeah, I mean, like he has been uh, uh, unbelievable as a, a as a as a defensive ta- a rookie defensive tackle, and I think has not necessarily gotten. Uh, the sound, I mean, the 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 national attention that maybe he's due. You know, I mean, ten and a half sacks by a rookie defensive Incredible. tackle is ridiculous. Yep. Like that's that's ridiculous. So, um, anyways, I think you know, considering that, uh, and he and considering the fact that he hasn't played left guard in a little while. I mean, he's been playing right, right. guard. Um, he, I I thought he did a fantastic job on, on where I'm where you're concerned with him at least at this point to me is, um. You know, pass protection against guys who can play with extensive power. Uh, guys that let me rephrase: guys that he's worried about facing with power. Because the issue is that he gets concerned about playing with the guys like with power, and he tries to initiate contact early and lunges. And that's where he gets into issue: is that guys who play with strength, who have even one pass move, pass rush move, can swim over that and get past him, and suddenly it's he's getting destroyed. And that's why his reputation kind of precedes him, is because that looks terrible when it happens. Right. That's one of those things that the layman can see from the broadcast view that that because he because he's falling forward as his guy is making the tackle, you know. So, uh, but I, I would say that. Even that, you didn't see – I don't know that I saw that happen. I, I think there was one sack on a twist situation that uh, uh, that I don't think was him you – know, that, uh, that was a communication issue between him and Tyron. Outside of that, they didn't even give up another sack. Nope. Uh, and and you know, there, was, there was definitely one or two snaps where he got walked back into Dak, uh, but still, again, did not give up the sack. He finished Jerron Reed one or two times in pass protection, which I thought was impressive. Uh, and then, as far as the run game goes, he was fantastic. Like, I mean, I mean, he was first of all he was handling Jerron Reed just fine on 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 the run snaps, and then on a couple of these run snaps, he was getting to the second level. He was getting Bobby Wagner. He was getting KJ Wright. A couple pulls uh, where he, he was, was unbelievable, know, uh, just making, getting out in space. I mean, it was it was incredible. Absolutely. I mean, his getting in this move, getting on the move, like this guy can do that. Like he can hit targets. I mean, he can uh, he can engage and finish. He'll make he'll make his blocks. There were one or two second level blocks where he had to run all the way across the formation to make his block, and it wasn't until right when Zeke arrived at his level of playing of the of the of the cut up field that he made his block at the moment that Zeke cuts behind his butt, right. like. Just unbelievable stuff. So, uh, I felt like this was to me like okay, time to time to keep Connor in here. I think uh, I, I don't know. I I I don't know that I've seen Suafilo play 
the way that I thought Connor Williams played. Uh, and again, this is all without seeing Enzo. Maybe I'll completely change my tune. Uh, but I, I think you know a lot of the results kind of speak for themselves. I mean, uh, and beyond the fact that just like the the numbers, like the the running, the numbers, the the fact that they only gave up one sack. Uh, but I think if you also go back and watch the snaps individually. Uh, considering the talent of the guy that's, you know, like you said, got all pro votes, 10 and a half sacks is a rookie defensive tackle. Bobby Wagner is the guy behind him that he's blocking when he's not blocking Jerron Reed. I thought Connor Williams played fantastic. I always try to like to keep some of these things in perspective. So Connor Williams, I, I think we could admit that he sometimes struggles with that, with, with power. But when you compare him to somebody like Zach Martin as a rookie, Zach Martin was almost 25 years old when he was a rookie for the Cowboys. He started, I think it was like 52 games at Notre Dame. Connor Williams just turned 21 years old. So you're, how, how big of a difference does three and a half years make for an NFL lineman? I mean, can, is it really realistic to expect a 21-year-old offensive lineman who hasn't developed into his own body, who's learning a new position to come out of the gate and, and dominate? No, I don't think so. I, I think seeing this growth from Connor Williams, especially now that he's kind of come back from the injury and he looks healthy, I think these are all great signs for his future and not only that, but the, the, the Cowboys' future on the offensive line. I think Saturday night was a, a good, maybe a little preview of what the Cowboys' line could look like over the next couple of years if they can get healthy and they can continue to develop some of these guys. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you guys get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. 